Jan Murphy is the Capitol Bureau Chief for the Harrisburg Patriot News and PenLive.com, one of the more veteran reporters covering Pennsylvania government. Jan's work has exposed massive fraud, including the use of public money for campaign bonuses, which ultimately led to the downfall and imprisonment of many legislators and staff. Her reporting has also exposed wasteful spending by judges and boards that has also led to their demise. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. I'm in downtown Harrisburg at Cafe Fresco uh, with longtime uh, Patriot News Penn Live reporter Jan Murphy. Jan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Matt. Well, I'm glad you agreed to do this. Uh, yeah, you were hesitant because you are so used to being on the other end. Exactly. You're calling me and interviewing me. <laughs> That's right. uh, I'm turning the tables on you. So this is my 20, 30 minutes of fun. Uh, <laughs> it's not have too much fun, Matt. Yeah, yeah well, uh, it is all at your expense, just uh, so you know. So finally, finally, I have this opportunity. Well, I mean, I've known you for quite a while, Jan. Yes, you And uh, you've been a longtime observer of uh, capital politics and state politics in Pennsylvania. And I want to get into some of that, but I want to get into uh, more of who Jan Murphy is because uh, honestly, you probably you know a lot about me, right? Because of over these years, but I know very little about you. And I think uh, our listeners always enjoy to know more about the people that uh, they read about because you have a lot of bylines on articles and you've broken a lot of stories in the past. And well, I'm sure we'll talk about some of these things that have brought down some people of you know, high-powered uh, politicians in Pennsylvania. But uh, tell us about Jan Murphy. Where where'd you grow up? Uh, right here in Mechanicsburg in Cumberland County, Matt. Oh, so you you haven't uh, you got your passport to come into uh, uh, Dauphin County across <laughs> I the river? I actually strayed but... to the state of Indiana for a while. Okay, um, I went to Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, uh-huh. and then I worked at a little paper out there for about a year and a half, and then I, I came back to Pennsylvania. So uh, you grew up here in central part of uh, the yes. state, uh, yes, so kind of state government uh, was always in the, the background, I suppose, just being in the capital city area? It, it was. I mean, I, I grew up uh, delivering the Patriot News with my brothers, Okay. <laughs> collecting for it. Uh-huh. I remember those days. <laughs> That's it, you know, and um, yeah, so I, I you know, went to Mechanicsburg High School and just and my my family I'm the youngest of seven children and um, my parents are both deceased as is my oldest brother and I'm, we have a very close-knit family and I'm very proud of my family uh-huh. and um, I yeah I was the youngest of seven I uh, I, I know one of the things you wanted to ask is like life-changing events yeah, well yeah. I think when my my father um, died from we were getting ready to go on a trip we had a motorhome and he was putting a water heater on the it was we called it the bus on the bus <laughs> and the jack slipped out and came down and and oh my. crushed him so um after that was life-changing for me oh i bet and i was like 10 years old and it was right then that um we didn't get social security numbers when we were born like you do now and so the lady came around and, and they asked, you know, are you here's your social security number. Are you going to go to college? Because I needed to know for benefits and all that stuff. And my sisters and brother said yes. And so they asked me. So, of course, of I was course, going to yeah. college. Yeah. You know, I, didn't, I didn't have any other. You know, I didn't know what I was going to go for. And then um, in junior high, I was on the newspaper staff. And um, when I went into high school, then I continued on the newspaper staff and my journalism teacher 
Linda Rao was so nervous that when I told her I wanted to go into journalism, she said, Jan, you're too shy. I, I don't, I, I don't know. She, she just was very nervous for me and she'll, she'll tell you that. And, um, but I felt like it was just one way for me. I could step out of myself. I could ask other people about other things. It's why probably I'm sort of uncomfortable here talking to you today. On the other side. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, I was able to go out and just, and, and I've, I, I really am so happy I chose journalism because it's given me an opportunity to learn so much and meet so many neat people along the way. So you you knew at an early age that that's what you wanted to pursue mm-hmm. was uh, uh, was that uh, in your family? Did, what, nope. what your parents uh, involved in writing or kind of no, literary? I, my uh, my dad was had an upholstery shop <laughs> in okay. Mechanicsburg, uh-huh. and then my after my dad died, my mom and oldest brother took over running the business. And uh, until he passed away, now my other brother, who was a teacher, has now, now he continues it on a more of a part-time basis. He's retired, so he does it at his own pace. But, um, yeah, so, you know, my uh, family was in computers. I have a sister who's a nurse, um, teachers, you know, one was for state government. Yeah, but uh, my brother's in Florida. He does computer stuff. And and so, yeah, no one else was a, a reporter, so it was different <laughs> and, and and I'm sure uh, when you got into the business um, it's changed a lot since oh. that <laughs> understatement right I mean yes. in a way you're you're a survivor in the capital I I suppose when you came into the capital uh, what 20 years ago or uh, yeah. about that uh, it was pretty crowded it was. Uh, you didn't have much space in the capital newsroom now you can have like uh, three four five cubbies up there is oh, that just sitting empty yeah it's it really is deserted. It's it, you know, on Friday I think it was um, Angela Columbus was in the Enquirer room. John Bear and I were in the main room, <laughs> and uh, the AP Mark Scofor and Mark Levy were there, and and I think that Katie Meyer was over there in the other room. But that I mean, <laughs> there used, used to, to be, be like a, twenty twenty five yeah. people up there. I mean now it's just less than two handfuls. It's just really. Yeah, it's uh, changed a lot. I mean, obviously, used to have television, uh, used to have radio uh, in there, and uh, newspapers. Some had multiple right. uh, uh, reporters from the same newspaper, uh, and that wasn't that long ago. No. I mean, so it's been a very rapid change. I know a lot of that is with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, how are papers? Uh, I guess you don't even call them papers anymore. No, it's Pen Live. Yeah, uh, how are you? How is it? How is it surviving today? It's just the, the um, online ads. We have a, you know our newspaper three days a week, so you know it's just that advertising, and they're they're just doing inventive things to just um, generate revenue. Uh, like um, like an example that is um, like Giant Foods will sponsor us to do uh, stories on tailgate food. Uh-huh. So then it's just, you know, not that they don't dictate the, the content, but it's like food that you'd make for a yeah, tailgate. Yeah. You know? And so we get those kind of sponsors for, and that's different. I, I, I don't do that. I mean, I'm up at state government, no one's wanting to sponsor that, trust me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, and I mean, the, the demands on reporters is not just writing anymore. Now we, we have to take some ownership for, of the headlines for years that we always mm, blame the editors mm, for. Yeah. And now you can't blame anybody, huh? <laughs> that's it. You know, and just putting those uh, search engine friendly, you know, words in the the top of the story, taking pictures, shooting video. I mean, it's it is just so much more than just writing anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, so uh, back to your story. Okay. So you're at Ball State, uh, 
How, your, what's your first job out of college? Uh, where it was do you called work? the uh, the Times in Frankfort, Indiana. Okay, it was about an hour north of Indianapolis. It was uh, um, a five day a week paper. Okay, and you uh, probably had to cover local government. Uh, I did. I, I, high school athletics. I, I covered about um, for for about. 20 years I covered local governments from school districts and municipalities, boroughs, townships. And that, I mean, it was really interesting to, to and I, I always, I encourage people and they're like, don't tell my kid to go to another state. But it, it was just, it was really a learning mm. experience to go to another part of the country and learn about, you know, their values. And I mean, you know, in Indiana, the, the farming, the flat land, the beautiful sunsets and tornadoes, something I never <laughs> experienced here in central Pennsylvania. And, um, so, I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed Indiana, but... Um, Did you know you wanted to come back to Pennsylvania? Was well, that your goal my, to get back? My goal was always to go to a bigger paper, and okay. um, but my car broke down, so I needed to, <laughs> I needed to come back. <laughs> Another life-changing <laughs> event, that yes. That was a life-changing <laughs> event, and I needed to come home because, uh, you know, reporters don't get paid a lot, and um, so I had to, had to get another car, and so I had to move back home so that mom could take care of my living expenses while I got ah. a car. And so uh, what, what, where, how did you end up at the Patriot News? Uh, because that's where you've served the yes, longest that tenure. Is the and longest, yep. Because well, I came back and I worked at the Sentinel in Carlisle. Okay. And then I went down and, and working in Carlisle. And there I covered some state government, our, our local uh, state legislators. And um, every story that I would write involving them, they would seem to bring up something about Philadelphia and the Sterling Act. And it was like, Philadelphia is just ruling the world. And I was like, I've really got to see what's going on. Like, why is that? That's part of Pennsylvania. But why is it so different? And I had a friend who went down to work for the intelligence for Doylestown, which now I think is just all folded into the Bucks County Courier Times. But um, so he helped me get a job down there. So I worked down there for a while. So I got to learn about, you know, Philadelphia okay. and, and those <laughs> collar counties. Uh -huh. And then... Um, Which it, is very helpful, of course, covering state government because of the... Uh, so much uh, so much is ruled by that. That's that right. Just, people don't <laughs> realize Well, it. that's the population center, <laughs> of course, is. of Pennsylvania. So it's going to have a strong influence. Uh, did you ha always have an interest in politics? Is that... Why you've kind of stuck with the uh, political no, uh, beat? No, no, not <laughs> well because I you don't come across as a you know a a, a, poli a political I, yeah. uh, you know junkie or right. yeah I mean and you're I'm you're not. very straight I mean in terms of your news approach uh, in which I've always appreciated because you. Uh, you know, not to, you know, use a word that is a pejorative, fair and balanced, but you do, <laughs> you are very fair and balanced and you always seem to just be like, give me the, you know, give me I your take on this. Right. Yeah, you want the news, which I always appreciate because there are those who have, you know, uh, a perspective on things and uh, want, you know, steer it in that direction. But you've always been very, very fair. Well, I appreciate hearing that. <laughs> I, I really do. And, um, and it's probably because you're more apolitical than uh, I than most. I, I mean, because I, I I started in, uh, at the Patriot after working some local governments and all that covering that. Um, I came over and was the education reporter for a while, and I found that to be it was just you know after I always told people I finally graduated out of <laughs> high schools because I've been covering high schools so long, and um, it was just interesting to see state education policy and. That's when I realized, and I don't know that I realized it before, how political education oh, yeah. is. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and it's only gotten more so over time. And then, um, so then 
the uh, Jeanette Krebs was the Capitol uh -huh. Bureau Chief for a long time at sure. the Patriot, and then she left. And so my editor asked me if I'd step into the role of the Capitol Bureau Chief. And so then it's like, well, only if I can still cover education. And I, I tried my darndest to kind of hang on to that for the longest time. But as our staff up there shrunk, I had to start covering other things. So now I pretty much cover just about anything in state government. But I still try to steer clear of covering politics, although I don't know how long I'll be able to do that. <laughs> well, you still have your hair. You're, you're, you're not totally gray. And, uh, you know, it's like me. I have no more hair to pull out. So, um, so Jan, in, in your time uh, over the uh, years that you have covered things, you've had some uh, real um, uh, breaking stories that have ended up with a number of people going to jail. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Bonus Gate uh, in particular. Uh, but were there some other story, and we can certainly uh, talk about that, how that came about, because uh, you were on the forefront of, of that effort. Um, and for folks that don't remember, Bonus Gate was where um, it was discovered, and maybe I, I should have you telling the story. Talk about Bonus Gate. What, what, what happened there, and what was your role in that? And then we'll certainly talk about the fallout. All right. Well, um, so how that long time ago, right? Yeah, long time ago. Um, I can remember I was covering Penn State trustees at the time and I'm driving back and um, I was checking my messages. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> checking my messages, my voice messages while I was at the Penn State trustees meeting. And I had a phone call from a woman who said um, that she that her colleague in her office had gotten a letter that and saying that she was going to get this bonus and it's it said on it don't tell the don't tell our member your member mm -hmm. meaning the, the legislator that she worked for and the lady said you know but I don't understand because I work you know as hard in this office as she does like why you know the only difference is I didn't work on the campaign uh -huh. and um ding 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 <laughs> so then I I called my Charlie Thompson who worked up in the newsroom with me for a long time and um he you know he was like we, we just started talking about it and we said, let's just start asking some other people that we know, staffers, uh -huh. if they got one of these letters. And then we got a member to, or a, a staffer to share the letter with us. And um, sure enough, I mean, it did. It said, don't tell your member. So now this, so it's like, you know, what's going on? And we, um, you know, after so, we talked. So it was, it was coming from the leadership. Yeah. Uh, and this was in the Democratic yes, caucus. Yes, the Democratic caucus. Um, that a staffer is getting a bonus, but don't tell the, the, the person you actually work for. Yes. Okay. Yes. So kind of interesting, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, what's going Why on here? Why we are, okay. <laughs> and, you know, and then to see this campaign connection. So then it was just, you was know. Was the campaign connection explicit in the letter or that was just. That was from talking to people okay. that got the, you know. They found, they, yeah, you found out. we found some staffers that didn't get a letter, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, and they're like, wait a minute, you know. So we really could see this and we collected, you know, talked to enough people that. And I, I admit, Charlie Thompson, and um, I had to nudge I said, Charlie, sometimes you have to go, because he's like, do you think we nailed this down that we can go with this story? And I said, Charlie, sometimes you just got to, you got to do it. You just got to pull the trigger and go with the story. Because I said, we have enough people telling us that they were working on the campaign and they got a letter. People that didn't work on the campaign did not get a letter. And you didn't, yeah, you didn't find anybody that uh, uh, was getting a bonus that hadn't worked on right. a campaign. Right. So, so it was just... Yeah, it was, you know, right then we knew there was something going on. So then, of course, the, you know, caucus leaders denied it. And then um, uh, Brett Lieberman was our Washington reporter yeah. at the time. And um, 
he he was somewhere and Tom Corbett, what candidate Tom Corbett was was out and he asked him, you know, if he would investigate it. Well, then he did. And then he ran on it. And then yeah. he ran on it and won and he in, became governor. Indeed. Well, and of course, that took down uh, quite a few people. And it, it also led to other things being discovered. I, I know that it was also while John Purzell was not bonus gate. Um, I think it was in that exploration that exposed right. uh, some of the other uh, misuses of, of, of public, public monies. Price. Yeah, uh, and certainly led to folks going to jail. Of course, Mike Vion, uh, Bill DeWeese wasn't, again, not part of the bonus gate, um, but uh, part of the, <laughs> the whole, whole investigation yeah, right. uh, that led to the downfall of uh, quite a few members uh, in leadership of both parties. Um, not so much in the in the Senate side. No. Um, what what happened there? I, I mean, no, as you look back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reporters were looking. Yes, yeah, we really were, and um, they kept saying that. I don't know. Either they were very good at hiding things or <laughs> whatever. But um, you know, they are they were honestly not misusing public funds, and that that to me is is just what has been driving me crazy for years. Is just how people get in government and they think that the money that is at their disposal is their money to spend on things that they want to do that aren't necessarily for the public good. And that's, you know, that that really, every time you come across it, it just makes your blood boil. And just, right, right. <laughs> well, in particular, because it's it's hardworking Pennsylvanians right. that are, are contributing to the government coffers. And when it's misspent, um, I mean, I think it's where everybody agrees, hey, there's a function for government. We want, you know, our right. roads fixed and yeah. our criminal justice system functioning. Uh, but then when it's, hey, there are people who are living you know, the high life, right. uh, yeah. you know, or getting bonuses, unlike anybody in the private sector right. Uh, right. for politics, all of those, you know, those are the things that uh, make people irate. Um, and we know that sometimes it's those little things. It's like what a hundred dollar bottle yeah. of wine for a Supreme Court justice that uh, yeah. gets people fired up. Yeah, three dollar bag of nuts. That's that's right. One. It was car like, washes. Uh, car yes. Washes, yeah. Indeed. I can tell you a funny story about the car washes. Yes. Um, so with the judges. So I. I this was, is a that went yeah. after after uh, just to frame mm -hmm. this. So it's after uh, the pay raise in two thousand and five. Um, people are irate. And uh, the first opportunity to uh, exercise some of their frustration is going to be in the fall of 2005 right. when there are retention elections. I think at the same time, you're starting to look at some of the expenditures of Supreme Court justices, correct? Yeah, that's, I mean, it just, it's always amazed me. There's, state government is so broad and, and you end up, you, it's so easy to kind of just follow the train to follow the issues that are happening that day and that kind of thing. But it's the, the dark corners where when you when they're not no one's paying attention, that's when trouble. There's seems no to science happen. sunlight in there. That's right? Yeah. And so, you know, it had been a while since people any reporter had looked at the Supreme Court justice expenses. So when I went over there, um, Ralph Cappy was the Supreme Court chief justice uh -huh. at the time. And uh, Russell Nigro was one of the justices, and Sandra Newman, Mike Aiken. Anyway, um, and uh, you know, from looking at that, I discovered that um, Justice Nigro had gone out, and he would run up three hundred, four hundred dollar bills for meals. Uh huh. And and the, using the taxpayer credit card. Oh yeah, essentially. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah all, we paid for it. Yeah. And there was also some alcohol um, purchases on that, and. You know, this, the thing that people that are elected officials need to remember is that the people who work for them are taxpayers, too. Mm -hmm. And if they see a misuse, 
it, after a while, they can't take it anymore, yeah. <laughs> and they got to call a reporter. And uh, so that's what I Is got. That what happened? I got okay. hold of a receipt with uh, some w- bottle of wine, and so then whenever I was looking at these expenses and. And when I asked him, you know, how is it that you can justify spending $400 of public funds on a meal? And he said, well, when I take people, when I go out to eat, I don't want anybody to be, you know, I don't want to be beholden to anyone. So I just pick up the tab. And it's like, <laughs> but did you ask me if, you, yeah. if I that was okay? Yeah. Um, and so anyway, so he was the first Supreme Court justice to not be retained. So that was kind of. Well, in large part, because you provided a lot of uh, reasons for voters to say, look, this guy is supposed to be serving the public, but he seems to be serving himself. Self, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the car washes was okay, one. Of, yeah. So, yeah. And so, and about that, Justice Kathy said he wasn't even aware that that Russ, Russell Nigro was running up those meal expenses. So it shined a light for him as well. Um, but uh, then there was, yeah, Chief Justice, the current Chief Justice, Tom Saylor, did a lot. He washed his car. Like every time it seemed like he got a fill up, he washed his car. And so I asked about that and when I, I did because that's a function uh, okay. of the court right as yeah, you know <laughs> clean cars is so I I asked about it so later recently I heard the backstory on this so okay. this is what I'm going to share so um, whenever they you know I questioned it and they said well this one gentleman said well when I worked for the auditor general and we were assigned to stay car it was expected on us that we kept that car clean and so that was one of the excuses and I said yeah, and they said, well, so, like, how often do you wash your car? And I said, well, every time it rains. And he said, <laughs> he went back to his boss and said, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> yes, yes. When the taxpayers, uh, you know, are uh, paying for it, uh, they're certainly right. not every time they fill up. Have, have, have things changed over there as a result, or is it time to go back and look and well, see? Well, it probably uh... wouldn't hurt to go back and look. And, um but yeah, whenever I went back a couple years later, and and they really had cleaned up their act. I mean, there was no no real excesses that, you know, not even the uh, you know the furnishings weren't outrageous or that kind of thing. So it does it seem to help. I mean, another example of that, of course, is FIA. Uh huh. Oh yes. Uh, that was, you know, when Pennsylvania I, Higher Education Assistance Agency, correct? Yeah, that's right. And, Which mean, provides grants to students, students to go to college. Right, yes. and they, they run some other higher education programs for the state. But there, whenever I first came up, I mean, this was, you know, I'm hearing legislators say, ah, that they want to get on the FIA board. I mean, like, to, to ask to be put on a board, it's just kind of weird. But um, so it was, Like, can you know, I go to the you, dentist you know, like, weekly? Yeah, 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 yeah please, yeah. please, put me on this board. <laughs> and um, so then uh, just... Going to, so I started going to their meetings, and I, it seemed to unnerve them that a reporter was showing up regularly for the meetings. But at the same time, covering education and hearing about these kids that were getting $60,000 of student debt, I mean, it was just unimaginable to me how these kids are going to, and, and still to this day, are going to be able to live their lives. I mean, I saw a story recently where senior citizens are still paying on their student debt. I mean, that is wow. scary to me. Yeah. And... Um, so, you know, I'm hearing that and I'm like going over there and I'm hearing about these retreats that they're going on. And it's like, you know, not just like to the Holiday Inn and Granville or whatever. I mean, it's like to yeah. Namakola Inn yeah. and, you know, really nice, you know, posh resorts. And so then, um, you know, it, it took a to go to the Supreme Court to be able to get the records released of how those dollars were spent. And it ended up being like eight hundred thousand dollars over like five over five years or something like that. But, yeah, it was again, it was 
just because, you know, no one had covered them. And then, you know, you, when you look in those dark corners, it's amazing sometimes what you find. Indeed. So so over this, uh, the, your many years of covering these things, exposing things, um, do you think that while you're able to push back and, you know, expose some things there that it does go run and find another dark corner? Or do you think that government is becoming more transparent and uh, less uh, of this kind of uh, opportunity for whether it's junkets at FIA or, uh, you know, uh, buying dinner out at night for right. you and your best friends, no, whatever. I mean, I yeah. definitely, and I do want to give FIA credit because they, they definitely have turned their ship around. I mean, they, they don't go on these junkets anymore. There's the bonuses, the six-figure bonuses that they used to give yeah. their executives are gone. So um, they really have, have turned themselves around there. And um, But, you know, generally I think government has, that people, we're electing people who are more conscious of this now, um, I also feel like every time you know the tide just comes that, in yeah, and goes right, out. Right. You know, so we're gonna we have a lull <laughs> right. and then it'll be well, back. <laughs> exactly, you know. So it's just a matter of time. <laughs> and and then I think that that's kind of that's the important part that the, the the news media plays is as that watchdog because if you're not watching. Like if you haven't exactly. visited those expenses in a while, people get yeah. a little lazy or exactly. they take advantage. Um, yeah. And so that's why it's going to be important to continue to have the you know those eyes and ears up in the in the capital i agree um well what's what's discouraging to you uh today what 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 do you see that government is is failing to do still that they're not solving these problems or addressing these issues that would be better for the taxpayers i mean that we, we've seen some of these reform efforts whether it's reducing the size of the legislature or uh, transparency putting things online or um having more uh, I think uh, punishments, if you will, for failing to comply with, you know, as you're trying to get information, there can be a lot of stonewalling and they can prevent yeah. you from accessing a lot of public records or dragging things out or making it very, very expensive uh, in order to do so. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, that people will <laughs> give you, I, I, right now I'm working with one um, gentleman who told me something and I'm, I put in a right to know request. And so then, like three days later, he said, "So what'd you find out?" And I said, "Okay, you got to understand. <laughs> yeah, this is like yeah. a thirty-five day process. Right, I put yeah. the request in, and then they always need thirty more days. Uh, that is just very frustrating because you just feel, you know, the the energy that you had for the story when you first find out about it, it's you know by then it's dissipated when you get the information because you've worked on eight thousand other stories in the meantime. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know it's it is a bit." You know, just with the right to know law, I mean, it's discouraging that the legislature doesn't, it's, it's more limited on them, on what they're required to mm -hmm. release. And this, you know, uh, the idea that um, oh, a record doesn't exist. So, like, they won't tell you the information. You don't know the, the precise <laughs> form to ask for. And, like, you know, and it's not just the legislature either. I don't mean to pick on them, but I could. But... Um, <laughs> But that, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I just, it, there is a frustration. I mean, I understand there's other perspectives on that, on that, and that, you know, there is a need to, for some protection, but it just seems to me the legislature could be a little bit more transparent than they are. But, um, I mean, generally about government that's discouraging, I would say, is just <laughs> this, um, the inability for our leaders or just to, to give 
to just accept a little of what they want. Mm-hmm. It's like if you can't get the whole thing, then they don't do it, and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just you know it, it the the lack of um, they're just not bold, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I just I you know even if I feel like even if it's a bad decision, make a bold decision <laughs> and let's see what happens uh-huh. <laughs> because everything's just you know it like they just. It, no one wants to do hit that middle ground they just there's so much resistance to it and that's that's it's just frustrating because we're not moving the ball forward mm-hmm. i feel like we're always treading water and we could really be moving the ball forward so so uh, tom wolf was at the very beginning of his second term uh of course had four years of very different yes. <laughs> each year being a little bit different than the last one uh we have a bit of a leadership change mm-hmm. um in in many of the caucuses, even the Democratic, uh, you know, House uh, right. has changed quite a bit. Uh, certainly, Brian Cutler's the new face yeah. in uh, the the top four, if you will, of of the Republican uh, leaders. Um, what what do you think is going to happen, uh, kind of going for? And then you have some of the dynamics of John Fetterman, uh, you know, running as uh, someone who says, "Hey, I'm." You know, running to uh, run for U.S. Senate, kind of using lieutenant governor as a you know stepping stone to something else, uh, and then you certainly have uh, the um, rise of democratic socialists uh, in the Democratic caucus. So there's a number of dynamics. Do you think that they're going to be able to uh, get some things done, or are they coming closer together to finding solutions? Um, what's your assessment, kind of at this stage <laughs> of the of uh, the game? It will be interesting. I mean, because, you know, while you said, talked about that in the Democratic caucus, I mean, in the Republican caucuses, we too, we have that, you know, the, the moderate and we have the very conservative. Sure. And so it's just, you know, it it will be interesting. I mean, I, I think a lot of people respect Brian Cutler and, um, you know, he we have yet to really see how he works with the Democrats. And I mean, in the Senate, it's, you know, over there, that margin that they had is gone yeah yeah and so you know they, they too might be looking i mean i think that that's that's interesting just because it's it's kind of close and you know gosh that's what so- someone said with um steve the late steve mcnett who was general mm-hmm. counsel forever for the senate republicans I, I, one thing that i wasn't aware of whenever i was writing the story about his passing was just that how he really vince fumo had the enormous respect for him because he knew how to work across the aisle to uh-huh. get the democrats on board with republicans and you know knew the dealing that had to be made but um you know but the other thing about today is that you know and everybody said, says it's because we're not leadership driven anymore. We're, we let, you know, the rank and file members have some say. So mm-hmm. that I think is what people wanted. Um, but it also is <laughs> where we're at today, where we have these fractured caucuses. Right, right. It's, it's hard when you say, hey, we've, we're adding more cooks into the kitchen. Uh, deciding what we're going to eat it becomes a little more difficult uh, exactly. than when you have some head chef saying, here's where we're going and, and what we're doing. So there's the uh, the pros and cons exactly. of each of these uh, uh, approaches. Exactly. They, I know they have been getting some things done, mm-hmm. um, even when uh, Tom Wolf, you know, vetoed pension and liquor. He ended up signing uh, some modifications right. of that. They're doing some work on uh, criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, some of the um, expenditures 
that are rising at a rate faster than the revenues that are coming in are putting some pressure. And I think that that's, uh, as we were talking before we started recording, some of the drive to legalize marijuana is this uh, right. pot of gold. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, pot and gold uh, is the, is uh, what they're, they believe they're going to find. I mean, do you think that that has momentum? Do you think that that uh, the legislature will embrace, uh, uh, you know, marijuana legalization? That, you know, John Fetterman already had made up his mind, you know, long ago. Tom Wolf, before the election, was opposed and then I think a week later after the election, <laughs> went, hey, let's explore this, uh, and has sent the lieutenant governor all across the state. And I know you've uh, been to one of these town hall, one or, or, or more of the town hall meetings. Uh, what's your thoughts on that uh, in terms of, the? do you think that this is going to happen? Is it more a matter of uh, uh, when, not if at, at this yeah, point? that's uh, exactly what I think. Okay. It's a matter of when. Because I, I think even the opponents are going to, you know, like I said, that told you before we started recording was that, you know, at these meetings, I mean, the, the support for it, some people are just, you know, they, they've they've smoked it illegally for years <laughs> and they're like, you know, OK, finally I can do it and not have to worry about going to jail. I, I mean, I, I just and even someone who is opposed to it now has said it will has told me. A senator that yeah yeah this will happen it's just you know it might not be it probably won't be this year it, i would say it's not going to happen this year maybe not next year yeah but you know i think too as we get a little bit more experience with medical marijuana and how that's working out and um just you know it's this the the lack of research in this area yeah. is kind of what is holding it back and maybe that's a good thing i but um yeah it's well, here, here's my prediction. It will all be predicated on how large the budget deficit is. Uh, and if it's about $500 million, I think that that's the easy money that, uh, uh, unfortunately, that's driven a lot of uh, policy decisions. That is absolutely is, true. You know, whether it's uh, the expanded gambling as, you know, again, free money um, with promises that, uh, unfortunately, aren't uh, met, uh, you know, and... But we'll, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. That's right. uh, any, anything else that you see here on the horizon that we ought to be paying attention to that uh, uh, will be important uh, for us? No, I mean, I think you touched on, I think criminal justice, that will definitely be a, a focus that we'll see. And, you know, that could be the, the legacy item for, for Tom Wolf's second term. Because I, uh-huh. I, um, I think you get bipartisan support exactly. there. And there's certainly, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the budget uh, drivers, uh, corrections being the number three, you know, a- after education mm-hmm. and, and welfare, um, certainly is an area if you can find bipartisan, because we're not getting bipartisan support <laughs> when it comes to work requirements and welfare right. or, right. Uh, you know, even education um, spending. Everybody wants to spend more, uh, Democrats and Republicans. So that right. that's right. always going right. up. Uh, but the only area where it seems that you might be able to get some uh, at least uh, uh, slowing in the growth uh, would be in the corrections exactly. sphere. Yeah, yep. I mean, another thing that is the whole workforce development thing, and it's, I think it is so great that finally um, career and technical education yeah. is having its day because, you know, when I was in high school, it was like, you know, everybody, oh, you're going to vote tech, you know. Uh-huh. But, 
you know, that's in, when I think of my high school class, so many of the, the people that are so successful today are kids who went to the Votech school and now own their own businesses. So, yeah, and don't have all that student debt you exactly, were talking about before, exactly, right? Yes. You know, so I mean, I think that that's something that we, we definitely see bipartisan support for that too. And just. Yeah, do you think that uh, the, the, the things that hinder that from happening are just the, the, the structure of our current system that it's Probably. so college driven <laughs> and that we don't, we, you know, we've neglected? a lot of the career and technical education. And so it's always been sort of the, the afterthought. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's been delegated to the intermediate units yeah. uh, rather than something housed within your local high school. And so it, it ha I, I know even for when I was growing up, that was kind of where the unruly kids were sent was <laughs> the, you know, the Votech <laughs> school, right? You maybe kicked out or something. And so it was never treated as on par with a right. college, uh, you know, college prep, uh, you know, education or curriculum. Well, and I think too, people were just always parents always thought about having to, you know, you, oh, what, what college is your kid going yeah. to? I mean, yeah. there was that pressure for the kid to go to college, and you know, just yeah. no one said, oh, see, see the latest scandal yeah. in those, you know, <laughs> oh, parents' by that? yeah, right. So I mean, but that that's true. It's yeah. absolutely true. Uh, so that those are some of the things that are driving. Well, uh, Jan, thanks so much for joining me on Brews and Views. I hope it wasn't as painful as you thought it, it would be being, being on the other <laughs> side of uh, the interviewing. So, but keep up the great work. Really appreciate what you do to you know shine light in those dark corners, as you say, and uh, make sure that taxpayer money is well spent and that we're well represented by our elected officials. Well, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate you asking me to be here. You bet. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E.